1: This is the Sikkim Podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels, Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, and Waco. Online at alansamuelsdcj.com. The Sikkim Podcast is a production of Baylor Athletics. Now, here are your hosts, Brooke Bednars, and the voice of the Bears, John Morris. Hi,
2: everybody, and welcome to this week's Sikkim Podcast, a production of Baylor Athletics. We're glad you're with us for our Sikkim Podcast. We have a real treat for you this week. Uh, Our guest, Brooke, is uh, Steve... Hoot, I could say Steve Jonigan but people would say, who is Steve Jonigan If I said Hoot Jonigan, they'd say, knows. oh, it's oh. Hoot who is with us. <laughs> so welcome to Hoot Jonigan hey, Thank
3: you very much. Glad to be here. Glad
2: you're here. We appreciate
3: it. There's I, a lot of things we can talk to you about. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I'm sure we're getting low on the pole here when you have no, to ask me to
2: come
0: Absolutely not. Not
3: at <laughs> not. all. <laughs> We've we're, been
0: looking forward to this one.
2: Absolutely. And a, a guy with a new job. We yes. can talk about his new job yeah. and how you got there and all those things. But Hoot, we appreciate it. Appreciate you being with Absolutely. us. By way of introduction, folks will know who was uh, an assistant on the Baylor baseball team for 20 years, baseball staff, and then has been with facilities and event management the last uh, the five years. And now the new job that I referenced is you are now an assistant coach with Glenn Moore and Baylor softball. And uh,
3: new new horizons for you here with softball. Absolutely, man! It's a good opportunity. I'm so excited to be back on the field. You know, two years ago, I got a chance to kind of taste it a little bit when I when I filled in for Coach Lumley for that spring. And uh, getting across the line, the adrenaline got going a little bit. I realized how much I did miss it. And, uh, you know, to have this opportunity to get back out there is really exciting and looking forward to it. And never coached during a pandemic, but, hey, we're getting <laughs> an opportunity to do it now, so can't be picky. <laughs>
0: There's a lot of things people haven't done ever in a pandemic. Exactly, totally. coaching is uh, at the top of the list no, for no you. Doubt.
3: Well, I've always said people ought to be writing books right now because there's no books on how to how to yeah. sportscast during a pandemic. Right, right. Mm-hmm. How to coach? Be the first one to write it. Be the author of it, and you can <laughs> retire and. Go to the beach,
2: <laughs> but let's hope you know years from now they don't have to come back to this. So exactly we don't go right. through this again. that's yes. exactly you know? right,
3: and probably more of it now is what not to do mm-hmm. as compared to what to do during a panic. Because yeah. we're finding out things not to do. That's for sure. Nobody's figured out what we really need to do to figure you know figure this stuff out. That's what they're working on right now. So, yeah. hoping in a few years we have the answers and we'll be a part of history. That's for sure.
0: Absolutely. So. Well, I. I think the big question here, and we can just kind of start with this and then go forward, is uh you have two you have two boys. You grew up playing baseball, you played in college, went on to have a career in it, and then you coached baseball here for twenty years and other places previously. Softball is a little bit different. <laughs> a lot a lot of the same, but a little bit different. Right. Working with girls. You like you mentioned it getting a taste of it a couple of years ago. Um so what are you looking forward to most about crossing over and uh, coaching softball now.
3: Well, you know, coaching, teaching—it's coaching and teaching—and and the the opportunity to affect uh, young people's lives is is uh, is a great experience, a great opportunity. And I just think back to my days of playing, the coaches that impact my lives, and and I may not have told them at the time, but here I am, years later, doing drills that they did, using terms that they did, and stuff like that. And I've even coached long enough now that some of my players. Who have kids and stuff, but they come back and remind me of different things that I never even dreamed of. So I'm thinking, wow, I'm impacting lives, uh, and hopefully it's in a positive way. <laughs> One way or the other, I'm doing it. So to have that opportunity again is is just uh, really really exciting to me. I, it's, I love to be on the field. I love to teach. I love to compete. Uh, and, and these kids are, are different. These the the ladies we have here are, are no different. Excuse me, student athletes are student athletes. I mean. They're all living and learning. Some of them have all the answers. Some of them need help here and there. There's a lot in between. And to try to figure that out to to make your coaching technique the best, uh, that's the fun part of it. I mean, they come from different backgrounds. Getting to know there's more uh, in common that you have with them than you realize, whether it's coming from a, a certain town, playing for a certain coach, being a, a fan of a certain team. Uh, and, and to find all that stuff out is, is rewarding and refreshing and uh, I'm excited, and I'm looking forward to this opportunity, absolutely.
2: There are some similarities, but there are differences also. Baseball to softball, I mean, bat, and ball, glove, yep, things like yep. that. What did you discover when you were uh, in, in an interim position as an assistant coach with softball a couple of years ago about some of the similarities and what what differences did you find?
3: Yeah, from a, from a hitting perspective, again, you, you, you're always trying to, you know, there's the mechanical part of it, you know, being balanced, being rhythm, all those kind of things that, that work for both ways uh same thing for pitching you know the pitching tendencies what do they like to do they like to pitch in they like to pitch away they go to their off speed what's their strikeout pitch now those pitches are different in softball because there's a rise ball and there's a screw ball and all that kind of good stuff and they come from underneath but uh there's still a lot of similarities and those are the fun part of the game i was a catcher when i played so i always and i called my own game back in those days no the coaches didn't call games we did And I enjoy that strategic part, getting in that hitter's head. Okay, what's he thinking right here? Okay, I'm going to come in. I'm going to do this and that and using a false shake and all those kind of things. And uh, that's the fun part of the game. So I enjoy trying to pick that apart. I enjoy watching video right now, pitchers trying to find out what their tendencies are uh, and and try to help your hitters out. Hey, get two strikes. They're going to look away. They're going to go this pitch. Take it away from them. Now, whether they listen or not, hey, that's been going on for 20 years over at baseball. Some of them do, some don't. (laughs) So so we'll find that stuff out. But I enjoy looking for those type of things to try to give your kids any advantage they can into the game because it is tough. Like you said, round ball, round bat, you're trying to hit it square. You know, that's a tough skill. Probably the toughest skill in any athletic event. Think about it. Because in no other sport, no other skill – can you fail 70% of the time and they put you in the Hall of Fame? Any other Fair. sport. If you exactly shoot, right. If you shoot 30% free throws, that's probably not good, you know. Yeah. But in baseball, that's considered good. Yeah. 30% completion passes and all that. 30% fairways hit in golf. On and on and on. That's not good. Yeah. But in baseball and softball, that's considered good. And so the other part of it is handling the mental part of it. You know, I used to think mentally tough is being able to – Get a bruise on your finger and go out there. If it's being cold, hey, let's go play. But more importantly, the mental part of it is overcoming the failure because we live in a society where failure is not accepted. That's unacceptable, all this stuff. Well, you have to. You have to learn to deal with it. You have to learn to flush it, and you have to learn to move on and trying to get that, uh, get your kids to do that. I enjoy that challenge as well because I don't think they they really understand that part of it. And it's all about respect for the game. You've got to have respect for the game. These kids grow up. They're super talented, whether it's baseball or softball. It's no different. They've had success. They've never hit below 500 in their whole life. They're always hitting in the three hole. They're always playing shortstop or pitching or whatever. Now when they come here and they struggle, they're hitting 200 or less. What's going on? And their head's spinning. And so to be able to help them out and bring some of that to their attention, he said, you got to respect the game enough to get in there and work a little bit to overcome all these setbacks. And that's a good challenge that I love to accept.
0: What made you originally want to get into coaching after playing and having a career like you had?
3: Great question. Uh, Well, I was going to play in a big league, you know, every kid's dream. (laughs) 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 So, no, it's funny you say that because I was a senior at A&M sitting in a finance class. And that professor was up there, and he was just tearing this problem up on the board. And I just, like, this is great. And I wanted to stand up and give him a standing ovation. So said, that's great. I'm glad you know how to do that, but you haven't taught me anything. <laughs> yeah. I said, this went way over my head. And it finally hit me at that time. I said, a year from today, I was like 40, 45 hours away from my finance degree. A year from today, what am I going to be doing? I was a senior. My eligibility's up. Wasn't expecting to get drafted at that time. And I'm thinking, do I really want to be sitting in an office in a coat, tie, trying to figure out the stock market and do all this stuff? Or do I want to try to stay active in baseball somehow? If I can't play, the next best thing is coaching. So I really walked right out of that class, walked across campus, changed my major at that time. Lost a lot of hours. As a senior? Yes. (laughs) Wow. Which, to be honest, if we got down to it, most student athletes are that way. (laughs) (laughs) You really don't know what you want until you get out in the world. And for yeah. me, I was majoring in baseball. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was—I wanted to play baseball. I played it my whole life, getting to go to school great. But I, anyway, it didn't hit me till I was a senior in in, in, in my last year there. And it finally, wow, what's going to happen in a year? So anyway, I lost a lot of hours because of that. But I don't, you know, I don't regret it one bit. I wanted to get into it. Uh wound up getting drafted, which was, was a plus. I uh, wasn't expecting that except unless the Army was going to draft me, but uh, didn't have it back then. So I got to play three years there, then came back, finished my degrees, and got into coaching. It's just a way I could stay involved in the game, meet people, love the relationships of the game from the coaches, the players, yes, umpires, all those kind of things, to realize they're all human beings. Uh, From the event management and facility side of it, too, there's great stories there as well from the groundskeepers So many different relationships that you get to establish in the game of baseball. And so uh, I can say baseball has been very, very good to me. You Mm -hmm. know, you used to hear that saying. But I've been to a lot of places I never would have been. I've met a lot of people I never would have met without the game. And uh, I don't regret it one bit.
0: You received a master's from Mississippi State. And that's where you were before you came to Baylor to coach uh, baseball for 20 years. What led you to Baylor and what were your thoughts? Obviously born and raised in Texas. So that had to be a good feeling to be able to right. come home. But did you ever see yourself here at Baylor?
3: You know, I didn't know, not particularly Baylor, but obviously coach Smith, my, my connection with him, we were both graduate assistants at Texas and M, And then he went over to be an assistant for coach Polk. And then a year or two later, uh, I get a call. Uh, they had an opening over there. The restricted earnings coach was fixing to come into play You couldn't get an older uh, person to uh, coach to take that job because of the insecurity. It's only been a one-year deal. Then you're going to go be a restricted earning. So I was a I was a good candidate for that, being young, uh, and just recently married with no kids. I could afford to do that, and I took the job with that understanding that one year I'd this first year I'd be a full year, and the next year I'm going to be the restricted earnings coach. So I was willing to take that chance. So I basically followed him over there. And then uh, was there for four years. And then when he got the job here, yeah, there's your connection. You know, we all find out it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. Who you know gets your foot in the door. What you know will keep you there. And so uh, when he came over here, my interest burned up. So did my wife, because you're right. We were We're from Texas, and uh, we enjoyed our time over there, absolutely. But the opportunity to get back over here where both my parents and her parents were and stuff. Especially we had Zach, who was a one-year-old, I think, when we came back over here, Get him closer to grandparents was very important to us. So uh, it was a good opportunity to get back over here.
2: You mentioned Ron Polk, who you worked with at Mississippi State. You played for uh, and then coached with Tom Chandler also yeah. At, yeah. At, at, at Texas A&M. Uh, how, how much of an influence were those guys on you to eventually go into coaching? And who else was an influence in that area?
3: Absolutely. Uh, Tom Chandler, I mean, I, I played with him uh, my junior year at A&M was his last year. He retired after that, after 26 years. My, my senior year, Mark Johnson's first year. Both of those, those men are influential in my life. Tom Chandler went on to be a scout after that. He's actually the one that drafted me. So it helps to know the right people. There we go again. Uh, wasn't expecting to get drafted. Not, not the fastest guy running, hit it far, throw it. No, couldn't do that. But I, I was the mind game. He, he liked the way I called a game. I could handle pitchers. Cleveland decided to go with the pitching staff that year. They wanted a, a good mature catcher to handle those guys and work them through. And so uh, Coach Chandler knew me. He said he's a perfect fit. I signed for a bag of peanuts and a plane ticket, and let's go. And so that's what happened. So obviously he did come to find out two years later with that organization. we have some. There was some shuffling up in the big league uh, level. So he lost his pitching coach. Coach Chandler was the manager at a rookie ball in Kinston, North Carolina. He lost his pitching coach. So we shuffled it around next thing you know. I'm his pitching coach now for the last, last month of the season at Kinston, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so really got a chance to even spend more time with him and, and uh, very impactful in my life. Still do a lot of his mannerisms today. And then Mark Johnson as well. Uh, very, uh, very impactful in my life. Just watch the way, kind of mold the way I coach from him. A lot of people say they look at me and they see a little Mark Johnson out there. And, uh, you know, he's gone through a lot of what we went through when we got released here in 2015. He was the first phone call I got telling me because he was released at A&M as well. He had gone through it and and just a – we stay. He called me uh, the day that the, they, they announced my hiring here mm-hmm. and, and congratulated me on that and says, man, you're back – back where you need to be, this and that. So uh, a lot of the things he does. And I think the thing that, that impressed me most, uh, most about him, not only his knowledge on the field, but the kind of person he was off the field, his faith, and just how strong he was. And uh, so, and, and Coach Polk, obviously, organization unbelievably over there at Mississippi State to have the success he's had. And even even to this day, still get a happy anniversary card from him. Mm-hmm. He has the years I've been married. If I ever do forget, all I got to do is look <laughs> at his card, and he will remind me uh, how many years I've been married, and a birthday. I mean, he, and he does that to everybody that has ever coached or played for him. Wow. It is absolutely unbelievable. Wow. He's old school. He's married to this game, and he he fills out so many cards a day. And when it comes time to put them in the mail, he puts them in the mail. And it's funny because Coach Thompson, Coach Smith, and I—we always compare our, our notes. Okay, was it glad to know? You know, the same kind of the same sayings uh-huh. over and over. Uh-huh. Again. <laughs> but it is—it's—it's it's just incredible the organization that he taught everybody, and and, uh, uh, and to this day, I think some organization that's probably left behind in today's world. I really do. I mean, one of the, just a couple of simple things he said: Hey, make sure you return all your phone calls and answer all your mail every day. Back then, there wasn't email; it was actually mail. So you handwritten, you put it in the mail before you left. And that's the only two rules he had. How long do you stay here? You get your work done, you know. And so uh, I've kind of, I kind of try to live with that, even with emails. Just try to do something. uh, Because I know the thing that's most frustrating to me is you send an email, you don't hear back from days, days, weeks, months, and you're like, oh, they forgot about me. And so still learn to this day and try to live out that from him as well. So a lot of impactful people in my life.
4: How do you get the job done? With power. Get all the power you need in a new Ram. Alan Samuels presents Ram Power Days. Extra special savings and special factory financing on all new models. Hauling families to great places. Doing chores, working hard. Alan Samuels will help you get the job done. Ram, the highest pickup owner loyalty in America. Shop, apply, buy online. We deliver. Alan Samuels, official auto dealer of the heart of Texas fair and rodeo. Whether on the field or cheering from home, Du Bois Furniture is proud to support the Baylor Bears.
2: If your Bear Cave needs updating, Du Bois Furniture is here to help. With over 59 years of our family serving yours, let our experienced sales team help you find exactly what you want. We specialize in custom upholstery, stunning dining rooms, elegant bedrooms, gorgeous leather, and top-quality mattresses. Come see us in Waco and Temple or visit us online at DuBoisFurniture.com. Du Bois Furniture, where beautiful homes happen.
1: Now, back to the Sikkim Podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat.
2: You're tuned in to the Sikkim Podcast, a weekly production of Baylor Athletics. You can download and subscribe to the Sikkim Podcast wherever you find your podcast on Apple, on Spotify, it's on the Baylor website, and we appreciate you tuning in. It is a it is presented by Alan Samuels, Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, your friend in the car business. Continuing with Hoot Jonigan, now Baylor softball assistant coach, and, Hoot, uh, we talked about uh, the influences uh, in your life in coaching. Uh, and you said coaching is coaching. Teaching is teaching. Was this something you, you um, had in the back of your mind? You wanted to get back into coaching, just waiting for the right opportunity? Was this something you wanted to do? You wanted to coach more?
3: Well, you know, when this happened in 2015, Coach Smith was let go, and, and, and my job was up in the air. I had two sons. I had Zach, who was a senior here at Baylor, and I had Bryce, who was a senior in high school. And and all they've known is green and gold. And you know as well as I do, Baylor education is is a quality education, but it is an expensive education. (laughs) So to have the the tuition remission that we do here when you're you're an employee is is off the charts. So I thought at that time, enough about me. Now it's time to take care of my family. So my goal at that time was to try to find some job here so I could finish Zach up. And I could get Bryce through, and so uh, so I even uh, I'm even teaching a tennis class right now, and that started that first year. That doesn't get me full time status, but I figured if if I can teach and meet somebody, maybe that would lead to another job. Uh, and I, so I started that, and then this job in event management facilities came across, and uh, I was able to to get it to get my uh, you know get the tuition remission, so I could finish. Zach up and start Bryce up and get him on his way. So for those next few years, I was kind of, you know, grounded here. I wasn't looking for a job. I mean, uh, anywhere else, I couldn't afford to get up and go unless I was going to go somewhere and they're going to pay me a million (laughs) dollars. But uh, so you never say never to that. But I I really was, I've said my my goal now is try to get to get them through. Uh, And then uh, so now Bryce graduated in the pandemic 2020 spring last year. So he's out of here. So I've got two Baylor graduates here. Very proud of that. And the best thing about it is they don't have any debt to pay off. Uh-huh. So it is awesome. It's it's great to, to do that. So so now, you know, you would think, okay, uh, maybe an opportunity to get back in if I want, put some feelers out, this and that. But, you know, then a situation came up with my mother-in-law, uh, Donna's mom. She had to retire. She's coming through a, a situation where she has ALS. She's staying with us. So, you know, uh, we're pretty much grounded here. I'm not going to pick up and leave and leave her alone. And I had my chance when when I got let go in 2015, I said, you know what, if I don't get to coach or play another, I won't get to play, but uh, another inning, then, you know, I've had a good run at it. I've had an opportunity to do this. And it's kind of a selfish way because, you know, my family suffered a little bit when we got into the coaching part of it because coaching changed from when I first got into it to being a – spring sport now you get early signing period then it goes year-round then it's going two and three years in advance it is out of control and so when I first got into it it wasn't that way and it evolved into that as I'm as as we're raising two kids or my wife's raising two kids uh so I was away a lot more than I wanted to be and so uh you know so I had to sit there and think you know do I need to do this and and Don and I had several conversations is this okay or whatever and we both agreed that it was to so continue on, and so uh, so I stayed into coaching. So so anyway, I had my spill into coaching. I had my fun, if you will, in the man cave world. And so so now I had to get them through. Now that I got them through, you know, if it is, it's in this. It's going to be in this area because I've got my roots are going to be here because of, of what's going on at the house and stuff. So and when two years ago it happened, uh, Coach Moore called me and gave me the opportunity to to, to kind of come over. I never really thought of it. And then when he brought it up, I saw, well, you know what? It'd be nice to get back on the field. Let's mm-hmm. go Let's go see what happens. And and I purposely, to be honest with you, I stayed away from the Baylor ballpark as much as I could. Now I started doing the radio. I would go on those days. But I knew it'd be painful if I went over there and watched practice. And plus, I really wanted to, to respect Coach Rod and his new staff. I didn't want them to think you know, I'm looking over their shoulder doing this mm-hmm. or that. But more importantly to me, it was – it would be, it was hard every time I drove around the outfield fence and stuff. I mean, to not be in there and be a part of that. So that was a new, new, new area, a new chapter in my life there too. So I stayed away. But then when I got this opportunity two years ago to come back, I'm like, you know, the old flames going again here. Mm -hmm. This is, this is good. And so, but I knew that was just going to be for that semester and, and uh, you know, for that season, but still I was going to try to take advantage of it. And so, uh, so anyway, it worked out, but then, then when he contacted me again about this with Coach Lum having to retire and stuff, uh, I said, sure, I would. If, if you have me, man, I'm more than willing and able to do it because uh, I really enjoyed getting back out there. And so it has been fun. We've been practicing now for a couple of weeks, and it's fun to be out there. That's for sure.
0: Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing uh, on the facilities and operations side for the last five years. And uh, obviously, you kind of explained why you ended up taking that job, but Explain a little bit more about, you know, just where the, the faith aspect comes into it. That fact that you kind of put family first and, you know, this was the opportunity and then for it to come full circle and give you that other opportunity to get back out there and coaching right. this year.
3: Well, first of all, I am for event management facilities. I was the metal detector guru, I was, the expert, <laughs> which is really, really funny. When I was coaching baseball, I became the camp director, which no coach wants because that's a head—that's a lot of headaches in itself. But I always knew it needed, so I kind of took the initiative to make sure we got ahead of the game and get things going. And, of course, Smitty thought I loved it, and he made me the camp director. I mean, <laughs> well, the same thing kind of happened on this metal detector thing over here. I kind of took the initiative and got into it a little bit. And they just kind of, oh, that's yours. You're there. Now I'm the expert. I'm an expert. Hold on a second. (laughs) But anyway, no, the main thing there would would be, you know, because our safety and security here at Baylor is of most importance. So, uh, you know, setting up the gates for a football game or basketball game became my job, became my priority. And that's from, you know, from bag checks to setting up tables uh, to setting up the metal detectors the right way, creating the avenues to try to get as many people in as we can in a – safe way, but also in as quick a way an efficient way as possible. And so, uh, then this past year, we even threw another curveball ball for this year, actually with the, the social distancing and stuff. So, uh, so anyway, that's kind of, that's kind of my, uh, my go-to that's kind of what I, what I oversaw, uh, as far as I did the tennis for a little bit too. I uh, got to, got to meet, uh, work for coach Cano and that staff and see some very talented tennis players get a whole new respect for tennis men's and women's. The indoor facility over there is outstanding. Uh, so I did that a little bit before I got into this metal detect thing over here. And, and uh, so I kind of did that, but you know, overall just for, for the event management facilities, just trying to, you know, we're servants. We're, we serve the coaches here and the, and the teams coming from the coaching side of it. I know where the coaches are coming from. They want everything pristine all the time. Their sport is the only sport here at Baylor type attitude, which that's what makes them so good. I mm-hmm. totally get that. So I try to instill that a little bit in the whole office over there. Hey, this is where they're coming from. This is a job for you. But for them, they want you invested. They want that part of it. So I tried to bring that part of it to the event management facility team over there as well. Uh, it only remains to be seen if I had any impact, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as the faith, faith aspect, like I said, one of the first phone calls I got, I was kind of prepared for the phone call that every coach dreads to get that to let you know that uh, you know your, your job's over. Uh, and at that time, it was over for Coach Smith, mine was up in the air, but hey, I had to prepare as if it was over too so uh, uh one of the, a couple of the verses Mark Johnson shared with me, and he 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 lived by these two uh, is proverbs three five and six, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your ways, acknowledge him, and He will make your path straight. So he shared that verse with me, and you know what? I really was at peace with it. I mean the whole time. I'd kind of prepared. If if your foundation, if your face not strong, something like that can be catastrophic. It can take you off the deep end. I kinda of had an idea what was coming. Donna was was very the, the rock in this whole thing as well. She says, Okay, we can do this, this, and this. We started preparing, you know, living out of a you know, uh, an envelope, you can only spend this much money, do this and that. And so we realized how fortunate we were, but to have to have your wife in on it as well was, was off the charts, and she's an amazing, amazing woman. I know why I married her. It's the best decision I ever made in my life, or second best, after accepting Jesus as my Savior yes. first. But uh, so we were prepared for it, and, and we were prepared because our faith was so strong. And to have people in your support group, like a Mark Johnson, give you a call. And, uh, you know, and I had people say, hey, I've, I've often struggled. How do, I, how do I pray for you? And, uh, you know, they say, Hey, seek him, seek ye first, the kingdom of God. And so Matthew six thirty three, that verse stuck with me too. So the faith is everything. Life is, life is tough. Life is not fair. There's bumps in the roads all the time. And if you're not prepared, if you don't have that f- strong foundation to fall back on, that's when things can really go South in a hurry for you and your family. And I knew I had to be strong for my boys. First phone call I made was m- to my two boys. I told them, I said, Hey, we've you know we've been let go it's no big deal i want you to hear it from me first it hasn't been released yet and we're going to be fine to let them know it's going to be fine and that's when the wheels started turning to try to figure out a way to get zach through school and and and, and get bryce started and through school here as well so uh so a lot of support you surround yourself with good people as well not only as a coaching staff but in in the in a church family and Sunday school's outstanding at first woodway and so we had a lot of support in that regard too but uh But your faith was everything. If you didn't have that, I mean, it's really the whirlwind starts and there's no telling where you could end up.
2: If you need a trailer, Flat Rock Trailers has got you covered. From light-duty single-axle utility trailers to the Big Tex Tandem Duels, we also carry a full line of enclosed cargo trailers. Need a motorcycle trailer? We've got them. Need a dump trailer? We've got the largest selection in the state. Oil field trailers? We carry a full line of Big Tex trailers to handle all your needs. Trailer repairs? We repair all makes and models. We'll even rent you a trailer if you need to use one for a day. Flat Rock Trailers, your number one source for all your trailer needs. Find us at flatrocktrailers.com.
1: you're listening to the Sikkim Podcast, a production of Baylor Athletics. Here again are Brooke Nars and John Morris.
2: Continuing with Hoot John again on this week's Sikkim Podcast, that strong foundation, the foundation of faith that you mentioned, uh, hooted so evident in you because of your attitude, your positive attitude, and you just... Everything you do and anything you do, you come at it with a positive attitude, whether it's whether it's camp, and I had a son that went through camp and loved it and loved you, whether it's setting up, uh, you know, metal detectors at the stadium or anything like that. That attitude is, uh, to me, what really sets you apart from a lot of people because you're so positive in everything
3: you do. Well, that's, you know, you you can you can either get better, you can get bitter. You know, you're either going to bring energy or you're going to suck it out of the life out of the party. And, uh, I don't like being around those people, you know, life's not fair. But again, when you know how this whole story is going to end up one day, I mean, we, we just need to press on and keep going. And if I can influence people in that way, I know some people that I've seen, you're like, wow, that guy's always got something going on. I want what he's got. And, and so watching that, you're talking about people that influenced you. I mean, that's who I want to be. I want to see people say, hey, that guy's different. What's different around him? Why doesn't – you know, it's not like inside now. If you got inside and looked some of the churning going on, mm-hmm. that's one thing. But <laughs> at the same time, you know, you've got to be strong for your family and those people that are around because you're going to influence them. And, uh, you know, there's times where you can get by yourself and you and God, you can get things settled out. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I love – uh, you know, I love to be as positive as I can, and uh, I want that to rub off on everybody around me.
0: You mentioned it earlier: teaching is teaching, coaching is coaching. Now you're embarking on coaching the softball girls here at Baylor. Um, I looked at your your profile on the on the website, the staff directory, and you got to fill that out. And it says favorite part of the job: having a chance to impact lives, and then in parentheses, be a servant uh coaching, you know, we've spoken with lots of coaches on this Sikkim podcast, and they've always talked about their life experiences, what they've pulled from, and how they hope that their story kind of provides some sort of a lesson for the student athletes that they're coaching. What about your story do you hope that... Any of your former players who, you know, went through everything with you in the past and, and now these new softball girls, what do you hope that whenever they hear your story and hear this podcast that they take away from your experiences and how you handled that?
3: You know, I would hope, you know, I told Coach Moore two years ago when I was with him, uh, it's the worst year he's had in, in softball. <laughs> and I said, I'm glad to be a part of that. Yeah. <laughs> now he, now he, he says he doesn't blame you. And I'll tell him, hey, blame it on me. I'll take <laughs> <No>. the bullet. <laughs> but no, what I, one thing I've always done, it's just been instilled in me, is, and even as a player, I watched coaches, how they handled adversity and I've had some that didn't make a very good impression on me, and I said, boy, I don't want to be with that guy. Because that, that's where you find out the true character. Anybody can be good when things are going well. But when things are going bad, when, when adversity sets in, how do you handle that? And so I've always watched that. And so I've always had it subconsciously in my mind. People are watching me. How am I going to respond when we walk the bases loaded or walk in the winning run? Uh, how Am I going to throw the clipboard and go crazy and – and people think the world's coming to an end. I mean, that's not the right way to handle it. Am I upset? Absolutely. Uh, and is it something that we taught the student athletes to do on the field? No, it's not, but it happens. And so to understand that that kid wasn't trying to walk on that kid, wasn't trying to strike out. He wasn't trying to boot it in 2012, Arkansas. I mean, we're on the brink. we got a ground ball, double play and, my values changed as I as I got into coaching because I understood where the kids were coming from. I started hurting more for the kid like it was my own, that as compared to oh poor pitiful me I didn't get a chance to put another championship on my on my trophy case. That's not what it's about, you know. Coaching's about relationships. Coaching's about impacting lives as you get there. Now, granted, that doesn't keep your job. You've got to win. I understand that part of it. But there's a reason if you get let go, people are watching you. How do you respond? I knew when we got let go in 2015, I had my two kids, their eyes were on me, plus everybody else. How are you going to handle that? What am I going to do? How how can I go to my, my kids and say, hey, you got to be strong, things go bad, blah, 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 if I lost it in the first place? so uh, So to see people go through that, impact my life to start with, and then, now having that opportunity, it's almost like, you know, I'm going to make more of an impression when things go bad than I am when things go good, because anybody can do it when they go bad. And I've just always kind of been that way. I watch people. Even if I go to a football game right now, when somebody scores a touchdown, I'm watching the team that gave it up. How do those coaches react? And it's just instinctive in me. How do they do it? Well, it's this way, this way, or this way. And it's like, no. So that's just kind of the way, the way things have. And, and you know, we're going through this pandemic here and to watch our university and, and president and and our athletic director lead us through this, we're going through adversity. I think we're finding out a lot about both of them and they're in my book, they're passing with flying colors right now. And so, uh, has it been easy? No, has there been a lot of hair? Absolutely. There has been, but when things go bad, the true character shines and I've always kind of had that in, in the back of my mind. And, and, uh, you know, I just know people are watching me all the time. And even though I may not know it, there are people are watching me. And that's one thing Mark Johnson told me, he said, cause you know when I was a player at a I'd go down the hall and people would come up and say, Hey, good game or this or that. And I'm like, thank you. Who,
0: who,
3: who was that? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're in the stands, they're watching. They even see what I'm doing in the dugout. Some of them would tell me and I'm like, Oh, okay, good.
0: Good, <laughs> good to know. To, it is. Good <laughs>
3: so we're always under the watchful eye. Every one of us are, y'all mm-hmm. are too. And, and, uh, and if we try to take that approach to it, hopefully we can impact people in the right way.
2: Another compliment to you is uh, we ask you to do radio, to do baseball on radio. Compliment to Coach Rod. We, we ran it by him because that could be a touchy situation. Yep. He said, absolutely. Who would be great at that? Coach Strauss, Coach Taylor also you know put a rubber stamp on that. But then for you to go into the booth and be there at baseball games in that position, not coaching, uh, might have been tough but let me tell you, we're gonna miss you doing baseball radio. <laughs> you and Derek are a great team, and uh, we understand moving on to to get back to coaching. But we're gonna miss you there.
3: Well, I'm gonna miss that too. I'm, I I told him, I told Derek, I said, "I'm," and when I'm calling radio, I never went home with a pit in my stomach when when a guy walked in the winning run. You know, <laughs> right? But you also don't get to celebrate like when they celebrate the walk off runs too. But no, I enjoyed that part. It kept me around the game and the relationships we're talking about with. Uh, other coaches, uh, umpires and different things like that. So, and it's fun. I love to talk the game. I love the strategies of the game. And uh, it's it's kind of interesting. Coach Rod and I are very similar on our offensive strategies because I would kind of think of something and, and sometimes I would suggest it on the air too, maybe a good time to hit and run and boom. The next thing you know, he's doing it, and there I'm thinking. Can. So I really I think we were, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, so anyway, it was it was fun. It was fun to be a part of the game, and and uh, it, that, for that five years, it kept me around the game.
2: And Brooke, uh YMCA at the Baylor Ballpark, yeah. will oh, yes.
3: never be the same yeah. with Hoot not there. That's right. And my shoulders a little sore now. I've been throwing a softball around. So. <laughs> I'm getting it back in shape. I should be able to do no
2: that. impingement. Right? Yeah, that's right. No <laughs> impingement.
3: <laughs>
4: How do you get the job done? With power. Get all the power you need in a new Ram. Alan Samuels presents Ram Power Days. Extra special savings and special factory financing on all new models. Hauling families to great places. Doing chores, working hard. Alan Samuels will help you get the job done. Ram, the highest pickup owner loyalty in America. Shop, apply, buy online. We deliver. Alan Samuels, official auto dealer of the heart of Texas fair and rodeo.
0: I hate my job,
4: but I don't mind getting up in the morning I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't foolin' round Salsa, drap, son, they're the best in town Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue
1: This is the Sikkim Podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco. Online at allensamuelsdcj.com.
0: Well, now you're about, what is it, maybe 20 steps across the plaza there over at the Getterman Stadium. Tell us a little bit about what the transition's been for you so far. You mentioned you guys have been practicing a little bit. Covid is Covid. Things look different, um, but to have you back in a coaching position over there, kind of, how has the transition been? Yeah,
3: it's been it's been good. We we're trying to get everybody back out there. I don't think we have yet had a full practice where everybody's been there, but that's normal. So just trying to know know the girls. I think I've got the names down. That's that's, that's the start. good. Want to call that's them the good. right <laughs> name. Yeah. But no, i I've uh, we've been having some meetings here and there to try to I'm trying to figure out more of the background of the girls. One of the things that I love to do. Is in the recruiting process with baseball, I would get to know the families. I'd get to know you know where they where they're from, interest, hobbies, and different things like that. Because that affects how you coach them. You try to you try to get in their domain so they can relate to you, so to speak. So that's been my challenge. That's what I'm going to work on here. So hopefully this fall, by the spring, I'll have it down. Knowing more of the background where these kids come from and their families, their interests, their hobbies, if they got a good you know, pro team they like to watch this and that, so I can talk their lingo and and pay attention to there as well. So that's kind of been my number one priority, as well as as learning. You know, learning everybody's swing right now at the plate, trying to figure that out. You know, make a couple adjustments here or there, but again, don't want to do too much too soon until we to know if it'll work when we get into the inter squads a little bit later this fall. Uh, so just trying to you know getting thrown in kind of late here. Uh, just trying to do all those kind of things so I can have a pretty good game plan as we go into the spring, but doing a lot of evaluating and watching right now, actually helping out the girls, uh, I got to to work with two years ago, a little bit more because I know their swing, they're a little bit more veteran seen them before. It's been fun to watch them, how, how they've changed over the last two years and gotten better. And that's the fun part about coaching to watch them go and just continue to climb and become better, uh, you know, better athletes on the field. Uh, it's been fun to watch that progression in those girls as well. So I'm excited, just trying to get to know everybody, get everybody back out there, and then, again, learn a little bit more about them and their background so I can uh, speak the lingo, if you
2: will. <laughs> Some coaches, uh, I, I think it might not translate from one sport to another, you know what I mean? But I think your style and your demeanor will translate very well to uh, to softball from baseball.
3: Well, it's a just and flow. It's all about communications. You've got to open the lines of communication and, uh, you know, you to got to get their respect first, you know. And, and so hopefully uh, I'm in the process of doing that. Uh, and, again, kids want instant success. They want you to tell them to do something, go out, boom, it works, okay. So part of it is, is getting them to understand it doesn't always work that way, especially when we talked about hitting, talked about the 70% failure rate. You can do everything right as a hitter and not get a hit, not have your you line drive hit right at somebody. How do you think the – Atlanta Braves feel when Mookie Betts robs home runs over the fence for him. I mean, Mm -hmm. if he made the play, (laughs) that's a better defensive play than it is a bad offensive play. So uh, that happens in the game. So getting them to overcome that part of it, uh, you know, is is a fun challenge as well. Uh, And every kid's different. Some kids handle a little bit different, uh, better than others. So so anyway, that goes on in every sport, you know. And luckily mine, uh, the two sports that I've been involved with, are dealing with a round ball and a round bat and, and three bases and a home plate <laughs> and a pitching rubber. One has a circle, one's on a mound, you know, I, I'm learning the difference, <laughs> there, so. but anyway, it's, uh, there, there are a lot of similarities, but the kids, the student athletes, they're similar too. some, ne- some need more, some want more feedback, every pitch, some want to be left alone. And there is a lot in between, and that's what I am trying to learn right now. And it goes, it goes uh, on both sides over there. We've had kids come in there. You try to talk to them, and it's in one ear and out the other uh, because they got all the answers. And I get that, I understand that. Then when they're hitting a buck fifty, they come say, "Hey, can you help?" I am like, "Okay," because now you know you got them. And I learned that a long time ago too. You know, you can you can sit there and keep pound try to pound it in them, but they're not going to get it until they're ready to take it. They got to be open to it. So you learn that part of it too. And that goes in, in any sport you got, whether it's baseball, softball, basketball, football, whatever. So uh, there's a lot of similarities. When I say teaching and coaching, and I'm over there teaching tennis class, it's the same thing there. I mean, those kids, you give them some kind of knowledge, something that'll help them improve, and just to see them light up and the smile on their face, oh, I did it. Yeah, you can do it. You know, build their confidence up a little bit uh, it's, it's quite rewarding.
0: When you got that, when you made the choice – to stay working at Baylor and having to step away from coaching and start the facilities job. um, That kind of put you to where you were still here. You were in the right spot at the right time to where a couple of years ago, Coach Moore was able to call on you kind of last minute and have you step in and help out. I do want to know, though, in that moment, 20 years of baseball at Baylor, before that your whole career had been in baseball, what was your thought process when you got hey, do you want to come uh, yeah. help hit us help us hit this neon yellow ball instead of the <laughs> tiny little white one? <laughs> yeah. What was going on in your mind well, that led you, obviously, to this position and where we are sure. right now?
3: Well, I mean, like, like I said, I wasn't expecting it, but when he called and he just kind of hinted, I'm like, so I went home that night and I thought, you know what? It would give me an opportunity to coach again, you know, and I'm like. Yeah, it is a round ball. If it's bigger, you should be able to hit it. it
0: right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so a round bat, maybe that will give me the opportunity. So, uh, But it wasn't something I'm sitting over there thinking, well, you know, one of these days I'll get into softball, I'll do this and that. But when Glenn brought it up to me, I'm like, absolutely. And, you know, just like over uh, at baseball, you know, you got to love what you do. You got to love who you're doing it with. And mm-hmm. that's why you stay. That's why I stay here 20 years. Love this university. Love Coach Smith and Coach Thompson and got to meet and work with some incredible people and Trevor Moat and Chris Berry and on and on. And so uh, so I knew Glenn and I knew Lumley and I knew Brittany and for years and go over there. And Coach Lum and I would have a lot of vent sessions back and forth on the hitters while hitters are doing this. And uh, so I knew them. So I knew that was a part of. Uh, of a group of people that I wanted to be a part of as well. So when he brought that up and, and opened up that idea, I'm like, you know, sure, absolutely. And so, and then when that happened, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I, again, it got the, got the flame going a little bit again. And I'm thinking, okay, who knows where this is going to lead, but I enjoyed that experience to be with him and glad to help him out. And I, you know, again, encouraged Glenn to, uh, You know, I thought he and and Brittany handled that year incredibly well. I mean, their true character really showed because they didn't waver. They were still uh, trying to set that good example for the ladies and uh, did an incredible job in tough environment. And I'll be very surprised if in five or ten years. A lot of times, here's, here's the thing you find out in coaching. Kids usually don't get what you're trying to do while they're here. They're still competing. They're still trying to win, get through the stress of school and graduate. Down the road, it'll, the light will come on and they'll say, wow, you know what he did. And a lot of times it's when they're disciplining their kids. Hmm. And, uh, <laughs> they I've, say
0: something they've heard. <laughs> that's right.
3: And they're like, I knew where you were coming from now. I just wasn't smart enough to listen at the time. So, uh, but I think going through that year, there's going to be a lot of girls that are going to remember how they handled that situation uh, in adverse conditions. His worst, worst season ever as a coach. And uh, I really think he and Britt did an incredible job of, of staying on path. You really know what their firm foundation is. So when the opportunity comes to take a job with them, absolutely. Love Easy what yes. you do and who you, who you do it with yeah
2: great group over there we'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh coach Lumley and this position opened up because he had to retire due to health reasons and we all think so highly and love uh, Mark Lumley and wish he and Stacy nothing but the best um and to follow you know he's been there for 17 years with with Glenn that's a long time and that trio has been together most of that time mm-hmm. also with with Glenn and Lum and Brittany
3: absolutely and what a what an incredible trio it has been. And, you know, we were Mitch and I and Smitty were together a lot, a lot Mm -hmm. of years as well too. So I understand the consistency that goes on there. So, uh, you know, and it's an honor to be able to fill in for him. I hate the, the reason I'm getting this opportunity. Uh, but again, I think Lum and I have a lot in common when it comes to hitting and when it comes to teaching ladies and, and, and these student athletes and stuff. And we sat and talked two years ago when he was recovering from his hip surgery. And, uh, we would go over ideas, to over different things, and there's a lot of similarities that we have when it comes to hitting mechanics, the mental approach, all kinds of things, and uh, couldn't be more proud to be able to have this opportunity and try to represent him well. Not going to replace him because you don't replace Lum. There's a lot of Lumisms out there and different things like that, but he's a one-of-a-kind. But uh, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to working with this and trying to continue on and hopefully make him proud one day. Well, there's a
2: lot of hoodisms out there, also. Yeah, right. so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I they know what know I, them. <laughs> I know what you're saying, but they're going to learn some hoodisms. Yeah. So. Uh, for the Baylor softball, it is uh, it's a real plus to add you to the staff, and we appreciate you uh, sharing with us. One final question, uh, World Series is beginning this week as we uh, record this. Max Muncy is with yes. the L.A. Dodgers and uh, having you know, a great season, uh, Max is. Uh, what's it like to see oh. one of your former guys on a big stage with the L.A. Dodgers playing in the World Series? Yeah, it's
3: awesome, man. It's awesome. You, you know, like I said, when kids play for you, you feel like you're their father. You start pulling for him in every every aspect, and uh, to watch him go out and have the success he has—what a talented team they have! Uh, listen to a post-game interview, and just as humble as all get out. I mean, just incredible. So proud of him, proud for him as well, and just to think that I had maybe an inkling of something to do with that—I don't. I mean, you know, it's really rewarding. But pulling for him, sent him a text last night, congratulated him, wishing the best of luck as they move in here to. Uh, to the World Series again, playing in his backyard. Yeah, yeah right that's here fine. in Texas. So, uh, I'm just uh, glad a few fans can get in there now because it just changes the whole dynamics of the inside. But uh, but watching him compete up there, did the same thing when Murph was up there. You, you know, you start rooting for him again and uh, living and dying with him just like he does. <laughs> so, uh, so excited to watch the World Series again and pulling for Max and the Dodgers. All right, we
2: appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Good luck uh, as you all get the fall practice underway and then looking ahead to the spring season. Thank you very much. Appreciate you all having me. Steve hoot again is our guest on this week's Sikkim Podcast, now an assistant coach to Glenn Moore with Baylor Softball. Uh, for Brooke Bednarz, I'm John Morris. And for Coach again, we appreciate you being with us. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Sikkim Podcast.
1: You've been listening to the Sikkim Podcast. Presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, and Waco. Online at allensamuelsdcj.com. The Sikkim Podcast has been a production of Baylor Athletics.